I just happened to do a Periscope where I, I did this thing like five ways to make $500 in the next week. And so many people saw it and then asked me to do it again. And they asked me to do it again. And I'm like, I'll just make an opt-in so people can, can opt in and get this download. So I did that. And I ended up having about 1500 people grab this opt-in. Oh, wow. And so I was going, this is something people are really interested in, especially for my fitness group. And I ended up doing a challenge. I go, well, you know what? Let's help people. And this was before challenges were a big thing. So I did a 14 day challenge, which today is way too long, but I did this 14 day challenge of helping people find money right before the holidays. And again, there was like 2000 people. And during the challenge, the average person, as I added up at the end, found like three grand. And so then at the end of it, everyone's like, okay, now what? And I was like, shit, I don't know. I don't, (laughs) I didn't think past this. I didn't, I just made this shit up on the fly, to be honest. Are you ready to decide it's your turn to live your most purposeful, profitable, passionate life? I'm Christina LeCure, former professional golfer turned confidence and success coach. I truly believe every one of us was put here for a God-given purpose, and it is our responsibility to live that fully. For well over a decade now, I've been turning my life as well as countless others around from feeling unworthy, incompetent, and without a purpose to living a life I cannot wait to wake up for even on days when shit hits the fan. And it all started with a decision. Yeah, you heard that right. I said God and shit in the same sentence. So clearly this won't be your typical podcast, but what I can assure you is that each week myself and my guests are going to enlighten you, fire you up and having you walk away with stories and strategies to not only boost your confidence, but give you hope that at any moment in time, you have the power to decide it's your turn. Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Decide It's Your Turn podcast. Today is a special one. You are going to absolutely love it. I actually said at the end of the podcast, it is probably one of my favorite conversations ever. Danny J. Johnson is on the show. She is a keynote speaker, an entrepreneur, a podcast host. And today we talk about the gift of a do-over. You guys are absolutely going to love this conversation. Oh my gosh, you guys, we have already started chatting for the last uh, 11 <laughs> minutes and it's been amazing. I am so grateful to have my good friend, Daddy J on the podcast today. What's up, girl? Oh my gosh, it's too fun. You know, I think we just always need to be recording all the pre-stuff because a lot of stuff gets said that's silly or ridiculous, you know? It's the best part. You actually look, so Danny actually right now, I know this isn't video, so, but right now she's standing up like on a stage with a hoodie because she doesn't have any of her stuff. She's living in an empty house. She was robbed a few months ago and now she's just like, I'm here. What can I do for you? I love it. You know, you just have to make things work. And I'm excited to talk about what we're going to talk about, just like starting over and just starting from a clean slate. You know, we were at the beginning of the year. And whenever you listen to this, I think like clean slates can start whenever. Like for me, a lot of times I think birthdays too, birthdays and, you know, anniversaries of things. And of course, January, people are making their resolutions. Sometimes you just got to get robbed and have all your stuff stolen and then start, <laughs> start from scratch. Start fresh. Yeah. Start fresh on any day. See, that's proof though, that people can start fresh, like on a, what even day is it? It's like a Thursday yep. at one o'clock and we can start fresh right here and now. Hey, okay. you know, and the hoodie is because my hair is a mess, which it's not helping. This is only helping me and my brain. Cause I'm staring at myself on zoom. Like I don't want to see my hair. So oh my gosh, well, I think you're adorable as usual. <laughs> you're gorgeous. You know that. Well, and so we've just kind of started and I've introduced you, but like, tell every, tell the world who Danny is now that you've brought back your social media. Oh my gosh. I'm silly. Um, so you know, the thing I've done so many things over the years. So I guess, you know, serial entrepreneur is a new newer term. And I kind of don't necessarily resonate with that, but (laughs) I think there's been a common thread over the years. I started off in the fitness industry as a personal trainer, and then I moved into online training and that's kind of where I started really building a brand online. And so I think no matter what, like, to be honest, I see myself as just a, um, a leader and a voice of hope and a voice of change. But what I do now really is more speaking, public speaking workshops. I do a lot of, uh, retreats with women, Um, retreats on just embodying, you know, embodying leadership and embodying like your, your life and yourself and really digging past like, um, limiting beliefs, feel 
feeling into who you are so you can show up as a better leader. So to be honest, most of these days I do some online courses and some things have been off and on a lot of marketing and a lot of, um, helping women kind of show up online and find their purpose and their voice and what they're here to sell and talk about. But for me, mostly these days is speaking and I don't know. I don't want to say being an influencer, but sharing messages online. And I'm a podcast host, uh, a co-host with my best friend. We have a podcast called The Best Life. And this year I'm going to be an author and I'm probably going to be starting my own podcast as well very soon. So there's a couple more things in the works, but yeah, I'm really excited about that. Oh my gosh. That makes me so happy because I will tell you, you guys, The Best Life podcast if you do not number one, listen to it, you're missing out. But number two, if you do not follow the best life podcast, social media, Instagram feed, if you just need a day, like, yes, mine is usually motivational and all the things, but if you just need a good hearted, absolute, like pee your pants, laugh, the best life, where do you guys get all those fucking memes? Because I, <laughs> I am dying 99% of the time. Like, where do you get them all? We cannot reveal our sources. Oh there's actually, there's like three pages and two of them are like meme pages that I follow that just kill me. But one is this random girl that I don't even know how we're friends on Facebook, but she, <laughs> she posts some really dirty ones and she probably has only 600 followers. I don't know how I'm a friend of hers. Like, I literally don't know who she is, but I'll steal a lot of hers. And then my, my daughter's dad. So I had a daughter, I placed for adoption, her dad that she raised her. He posts these random cheesy ones all the time. So I steal some from him. They're just kind of from all over. I like can pick them, but I got a couple places where I'm doing my, my, my meme mining from my my phone though, has literally like 20,000 screenshots of memes. So every day I'm like trying to dump as many as I can and clear my phone space. Oh, they're brilliant. Like literally, if you just the best life podcast, if you take one thing from this podcast, we're we're talking about like starting over and like this is, we're going to go pretty deep here a little bit, but if you take one thing, it's just follow the best life podcast. Say hi to Danny and Joe. They're two of the greatest women. I know I've I've known them only probably for what, four or five years, but like, I respect the living hell out of you guys and your bot and your, uh, your memes are just freaking to die for. It's like our secret little So like, you know, Jill does, Jill is my partner and she has a fitness brand. And so she always feels like it's her place where she can kind of share some of that stuff too, where she can't necessarily do it on her own personal page. I could kind of go either way on my personal page, but it's kind of a fun place to just share that side of ourselves where it's not necessarily like the professional side, but we can have a little bit more fun. So that's like our little, you know, little fun place to put that all. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. You guys. So decide it's your turn before it was just a podcast. We did, uh, events and Jill Coleman, who, uh, is Danny's best friend and podcast host on the best life podcast. She actually spoke in Austin at my event and you were there, Danny. And then the following year you spoke when the world shut down and you were so gracious to be like, yeah, I'll do this live event or I'll do this live virtual event. You know, when everyone was doing virtual events and it was like a cool thing to freaking do when the world kind of first shut down, we were all kind of like, Oh, this will be over in a month kind of situation. So Danny came in and not only were you just like, you know, flawless as usual, but you were talking about money. So you've definitely been a money mindset girl for a long time as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I started in the fitness industry and of course, if anyone in fitness kind of, I feel like a lot of us follow this path where we start to get clients and a lot of clients come for weight loss and body change. And we start to see that it's not really about what people are eating. It's what's eating them. At least that's what I would, I was finding for my clients where it was more mindset you know, I'd have people coming in and they're like, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to eat and tell me how to work out and I'll do it. I just need to lose 30 pounds. It's just really urgent. And I'm like, I, you know, I'd say I'd have them give a food diary to me or something. And I'm like, this looks fine actually. So what's really going on. And so I started to go down this path of starting to talk more about mindset. And the tricky thing about mindset is people will pay for a meal plan, but they're not going to pay for like a mindset plan. Right. (laughs) Isn't that the bloody truth? This is all I do. And so I realize what I do is really hard because most people are like, wait a minute, is there really no huge, massive ROI on money on the other Mm -hmm. side? And I'm like, yeah, there is. If you get your confidence right, but most people aren't paying to fix their fucking confidence, which is like, which makes my job really hard, but yet it's the one fucking thing that matters. Yes. Yeah. So no, it's so true. And so nobody's, you know, we're not like 
I think it's probably some self-awareness. We don't necessarily think that the reason we are struggling in our relationships or struggling in our finances, struggling in our, in our bodies is because something in our minds are messed up. We just think if you just show me how to make money or if you just show me how to lose weight, I'll be fine and everything will be fixed and I'll be happy. And we know that's not the case. And so I was down this path of fitness and kind of mindset. And I got into some network marketing businesses, but I, at the same time, I was also noticing with my clients, especially uh, a lot of my binge eating clients, which I tended to start to attract more is they were also struggling with debt and finance stuff. And so I saw this correlation between like overeating, binging, and then overeating or overspending. And, and this just a similar thing with food that people do with money. And so, because I was getting into network marketing and there's a lot to talk in network marketing, you'll see a lot of like wealth and six figure kind of messaging, also mindset messaging, but I started to kind of tie them together. And what really got me out of fitness fully was I went on a mission trip to Belize and it was right around Christmas time. And I was at an orphanage and the day it was Chris. Yeah, it was Christmas day. Actually, the staff was trying to make meal, a meal for all of the volunteers and all the kids. And so that morning, usually we'd have breakfast and lunch, but because they were spending all the time in the kitchen for this big Christmas dinner, there was no food all day. So I was freaking starving and I was getting really grumpy and someone brought me a sandwich, a peanut butter sandwich. It was like on wonder bread, like chitty white wonder bread. And I come from the fitness industry where I was like bikini competitor on magazines, like really hardcore into it. And my first thought when they handed me was this like, I'm not eating this shit, like these carbs. <laughs> and then my next thought was like, oh my God, there's nothing else to eat. And so I realized the like brattiness of my initial thought of like, ew, I can't eat white bread carbs. And then going, I'm in an orphanage and this is what they deal with every day. They're hungry all the time. And I'm sitting here bitching about white bread. Like how fucked up is that? And so it really shifted me in like a, like shook me, I should say. And I was going, oh, wow, I'm working with clients who are literally texting me every day, asking if they can eat carbs after four o'clock. And there's people in the world right now who are lucky to get a slice of Wonder Bread and peanut butter for their whole day's meal. And so I went home and I just kind of shut down. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I can't talk about fitness anymore because if I have one more person ask me if they could eat carbs after six o'clock, I'm going to scream at them and like flip out. And not that it's not a valid question, but I'm just like, this is not this is not the, the questions I want to answer anymore. I think there's bigger things. I think there's more important things out there. And it gave me a big look at my privilege about being a woman, about what we have opportunities to do in America versus other countries. And so I kind of started going down the money path more because I saw the tie-ins and the similarities. And I also had a personal uh, money transformation with my ex-husband, we ended up losing our home and filing bankruptcy after the economy crashed and rebuilding everything. And I noticed that my personal like tendencies to binge eat as I got control of my finances started to disappear. So it was kind of one of those, like those domino things where you deal with one thing and then the other things fall into line. And so that's kind of how I started to get into the money space. And it wasn't even a conscious choice. I actually, um, I don't know if you remember Periscope, but it was a little social media, like a live streaming. And I just happened to do a Periscope where I, I did this thing, like five ways to make $500 in the next week or something. And so many people saw it and then asked me to do it again. And they asked me to do it again. And I'm like, I'll just make an opt-in so people can can opt in and get this download. So I did that. And I ended up having about 1500 people grab this opt-in. Oh, wow. And so I was going, this is something people are really interested in, especially for my fitness group. And I ended up doing a challenge. I go, well, you know what? Let's help people. And this was before challenges were a big thing. So I did a 14 day challenge, which today is way too long, but I did this 14 day challenge of helping people find money right before the holidays. And again, there was like 2000 people. And during the challenge, the average person, as I added up at the end, found like three grand. And so then at the end of it, everyone's like, okay, now what? And I was like, shit, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I didn't think past this. I didn't, I just made this shit up on the fly, to be honest. And so I spent the holidays kind of uh, asking people who did the challenge, what they still needed. And then I ended up creating a course called master your money. And it was actually called find the money project next level but I changed it to master your money. And so then it just, the last couple of years have been talking about mastering your money, being faithful with the little things, um, just finding your way around finances and mindset and all of that stuff. But it, it really was never on purpose. I kind of fell into it and it was falling into it out of something that I just felt wasn't 
it wasn't in service of people, at least for me, I do think the fitness industry is a high service. And I think people are at their stage where they were at, but I was done with that group of people and I needed to move on to the next thing. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I know people are going to listen to this podcast and they're going to be like, what, where can I get $500 in five days? So like, where yeah. can people actually, like, I know we always talk about this at the end, but like, does that still exist? And can people, like, I know we talked about yeah. it. Yeah. turn. So like, where can people actually find that? So actually it's still up at findthemoneyproject.com and there's um it's a seven day thing now, seven days of emails. Cause I took those 14. So the 14 day challenge was actually every other day. So it really was seven days to begin with. Um, and I just gave people some time in between. So if you go to findthemoneyproject.com, there is seven days, but I also created, I think it's like 14 bucks on the second page or something. There's a 14 day boot camp, And literally like that was the average. I mean, people were finding like 10 grand. And if you can't find $14 in the first five seconds of even opening the email, then I would give you your money back. <laughs> So it's so true because you actually talk about it at the virtual event. And it's so true. And so many, so many people took away so many like really great one-liners that you said over the years, like, or over the year of doing that mm-hmm. event, like so many people took that away. And I love what you said right there about like, oftentimes people start something because, and this kind of goes to the whole premise of what we're talking about today, which is kind of, we're all over the place, but I love it because I just am so obsessed with you, but like, kind of like the starting over thing, like you were not afraid to kind of like start over and do something different because you trusted yourself and because mm-hmm. you, you were willing to go like, wow, this is no longer in alignment. You know, I've, I've yeah. felt that in the golf world before I was like, wow, this is just not for me anymore. I have to do something different. I have to trust that. And you know, that's for me, that's my faith thing of like, I just have to believe that this is for me because it feels so powerful. Um, does that feel true? I literally just got goosebumps. Like it's, yeah. it's so true. And there's a part of me, and I don't know if you felt this way, but that was, I definitely was scared to go through. Like you had to trust myself, but I was also like, this doesn't feel good anymore. And so it's scary to do something new because especially because I had built this huge audience of fitness people. And I'm like, if I do money stuff, and this is actually the shift in how my brand name changed to dannyj.com was my brand was called the sweaty Bettys. And I started to just talk about some of the other things. And couple of times people commented and just one in particular, somebody made a comment on one of my posts and they were like, this is a fitness page. What does money have to do with it? And for a good, I don't know how many weeks, maybe like two months, I felt really stuck. I felt like I couldn't talk. I felt like I couldn't share anything because I was like, oh, this isn't fitness. So, and so I was like, well, what can I call this? What can I call my page? And then I was like, well, shit, if I'm Danny J, then I could talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about. So if I want to talk about money, I can talk about money. If I want to talk about relationships, I can talk about relationships. So if I don't have, if I'm not stuck by the, the name, if I'm just me, then I can expand. And so that was really freeing. Now on the flip side of that, like as a marketing lesson for anyone listening to this, on the flip side, who the fuck is Danny J? Like I'm not Ellen or Oprah. So it was very easy to build a brand. The sweaty Betty is because if someone randomly come across it, they can go, Oh, this is fitness. Like it makes sense. But if somebody just comes across dannyj.com, well, what is that? That doesn't mean anything. So in some ways, building my brand and fitness was way easier because of the niche in the name and then building your own name can be tricky, but it also can be really freeing because you can go any way you want to go, <laughs> any way you want to go with it. I feel that so hard, you know, for forever, I was so tied to the fact that I played golf. My social media handle was golf, Christina. Yes. And it literally was one of the hardest things ever, but I just knew that I knew that I had to go to be Christina because if I knew that if I showed up being Christina, that could be golf, Christina, that could be wife, Christina, that could be Christina, that could be Christina sitting on my ass and doing nothing that just being Christina was like the hardest, greatest thing ever. And I, and I hope that someone takes the lesson out of this is that if you're stuck, if you're feeling like you're stuck in this like niche that you pigeonholed yourself, please do not feel like you can't start over. Please do not feel that that is the only thing that you are. But I know, I know the way that I felt. I literally felt like I lost my identity when I lost golf. Yeah. I think so many athletes do like, that's a really, really tough place to be as an athlete when you stop doing the thing. Right. And even for me for fitness, cause I was not only a trainer, but I was a fitness competitor. I was in magazines. I was doing shows. So people would always be like, when's your next show? And stopping that even was a big identity shift, but it's also, it is freeing. It's kind of one of those things where 
it's like, I don't know, like you, let's just say an old relationship that you've known you needed to break up with them. And you're just like, Oh, but what if I don't find anyone else? And I'm not really sure. And then finally you just get the guts and you dump the guy or girl or whoever you're with. And then, you know, weeks later, whenever you find like the person and you're like, why was I so scared to leave this relationship? And I feel like that where we have these fears to leave the thing. And ultimately the freedom's on the other side of that, or like quitting your job, you know, to, to start your own business. Maybe you're in that place where you're like, I'm doing my business on the side, but I got this steady paycheck and you're so scared to leave. And then when you do, you just look back going, what the hell was I so scared of? Like I figured it out. It'll work. And so I was agonizing over leaving the sweaty Bettys, but I went to a Brendan Burchard, um, event in 2020, right before the lockdown. And he, it was funny coming from him. If you guys don't know who Brendan is, he's really big in the personal development world. Um, but he was like, nobody knows you. He's just screaming. Like nobody knows you. And he basically told a story about some celebrity. I can't remember who, let's just say it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, like a big one that everybody knows. And this celebrity was like out somewhere and literally like a waiter or waitress just said something like, just didn't know who they were. He's like, if Arnold Schwarzenegger, if they don't know who that is, they definitely don't know who you are. So if you're worried about like dropping your 20,000 followers or 10,000 followers, like get over yourself, nobody knows you. So reinvent yourself. And that was a big punch in the gut to me. Cause I still have kind of, I was still struggling with some of the money stuff and going, do I want to stay in this lane or do I want to expand? And do I want to do other things? And I was like, nobody fucking knows you, you know, <laughs> like you can really reinvent yourself at any time. And if Brendan's saying that, and there's celebrities out there that literally have millions of followers and people don't know them, then like, sometimes I think we are our own ego and our own brains get in our way there. Oh my gosh. It's so true because guess what? How many people are going to listen to this podcast and have no idea who Brendan Burchard is? Oh, totally. I was just thinking Everyone. that like, <laughs> and he's like, you and I know he's, he's huge. Big. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's huge. He's like an Arnold Schwarzenegger in our space, but guess what? There is people that are going to be like, who the fuck are they talking about? Totally. Well, and you know, Jill and I, for our podcast, my boyfriend was like, you guys need to have more big people on and you need to do this. And I'm like, our audience doesn't know those people. Like we had Elena Cardone, believe me, people in our audience don't know who Grant Cardone is and Elena Cardone. I'm like, not Elena really... Cardone. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> my well, husband yeah. loves Grant Cardone because that's what my husband does is multifamily apartments. Oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah. And Grant Cardone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. I'll tell you the story after. But yeah, yeah. How funny is that? But you know, like that's literally, I mean, we know who they are, but, yeah, but most of my audience is like, people are Googling who the fuck yeah. is Grant and Elena Cardone. Totally. So people don't know. And so we get in our heads and we get like all wrapped up over like golf or whatever our thing was. And at the end of the day, I mean, people are hardly noticing. And actually right before we got on, I told you that I disabled my Instagram account for about, I don't know, whatever today is I delete I, for about two weeks and you didn't even notice. And this is the thing people don't even notice. Like I could have been, I could just disappear and come back completely and nobody's noticing like couple of my best friends noticed because they were going to send me a meme. They're like, I was trying to send you a meme because that's how we, that's how our relationship works. We just <laughs> meme each other. But other than that, hardly it, people don't notice, you know, that's just the truth. And it's a sad lesson in one hand, but it's also freeing on the other hand. So it's like, nobody's really watching you. So you can make all the mistakes and mess it all up now and try things out. And if it's not working, you just pivot and do the next thing. Yes. I love it. It's like starting, you know, like we're talking about, it's like the starting over thing, but yeah, 110%. Most people just blame it on the algorithm. The only reason why I never thought I was seeing your shit because I was like, oh, well, the algorithm is totally screwing me right now. Oh, it and is. Like, even my own, oh, it totally is. But even my own clients who are like my people who I talk to every single day, I even had one of my clients the other day, she goes, did you get off social media? I was like, bitch, no, I'm on there every day. Every day. I haven't seen you. Yeah. No, there's so many friends of mine that I'm like, they'll pop into my head. I go, man, they must've gone off social. And I look and they've been posting every day. Like I had a friend who got married and had a pregnancy and I missed all of it. I was like, shoot, she's got a like three month old baby. I didn't even know she was pregnant. Oh my gosh. That's I was so, so mad. That's so bad. Okay. So last year, baseball, not even just last year, the last two years of your yeah. life have been literally the really, really hard. Yeah. Really, really they, crappy. Yeah, for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people. You know, the last couple of years have been rough just globally, right? I think we could, it was, I think it was funny because we just closed another year, but I remember the end of 2020 where everyone's like, we can all agree 2020 was the worst year 
collectively. And then 2021, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like that didn't get any better. Um, but a lot of beautiful things come out of masses, you know, and that's something I've really found. So at the end of 2020, um, I, so first off being a speaker and doing that more the last couple of years, when 2020 and lockdown happened, all of my gigs were canceled, obviously. So no events were being hosted. Everything was canceled. So I'm going to like, I had this big giant wall calendar of the entire year and like events spread out and like listed. And I remember just getting about <laughs> three calls in a week that were like, Hey, Danny, we're canceling this event. Hey. And so I was just erasing it. And I was like, seeing my calendar start to open up, like all these travels, I was supposed to go to France. I was supposed to go to New York city. I was supposed to go to Nashville. And I was like, okay, gone, 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 deleted. And I was like, well, shit, <laughs> now what do I do? And so in the middle of that, my boyfriend and I, um, started just messing around and we ended up creating some new businesses and new opportunities, which have been amazing and have, you know, it's interesting. Cause we, we, ha I had these big financial goals at the beginning of the year. And so I'm like, how the hell am I going to reach that now? Like everything's canceled and a lot of people aren't paying or they're like, Hey, we'll pay you when we do this next year or whenever. And it's so crazy how things can just work out. We just sometimes need to just be open to like, not worry about the house and just be open to the availability of possibilities. And so we started some brand new things, some brand new businesses, some things that have nothing to do with what I do now. One of them was like a e-commerce business where we, we have artists who draw Simpsons characters for people that turned into like a half a million dollar business. So it's like, I'm not an artist. I, I never even know that. Are yeah. You I mean, this is like off, like we don't even talk about it, but we have, it's called make me yellow. If you go to make me yellow.co and we did a hundred thousand dollars last December. And it was like, oh shit, we were going crazy, staying up like 18 hours a day, trying to hire artists, fulfill orders. And this was a, just an experiment to do Shopify. Cause we were kind of like, what else do we do with our spare time? when we're in lockdown. So we, we did a couple of things like this. We created another, um, business for a speaker. We helped him build a course. Cause I had some experience building courses and he reached out. And so we, we created this whole big, and we've done seven figures for him. We take a percentage of that, but it was all these things that came out of the like lockdown and we had nothing else to do. So we got creative. And so one thing that Tony Robbins always says is it's not about lack of resources. It's lack of resourcefulness. And so many times I hear entrepreneurs and women and just people saying like, I don't have enough time or I don't have enough money or I don't have enough contacts, but you just have to get creative. And sometimes the creativity comes in the space of stopping and not being able to do something. And so I think the lockdown, um, I'm just going to call it the lockdown, but you know what I mean? Just not being able to go places, not, not being able to do what I was originally supposed to do gave me the time and place to just go, okay, what else can we do? Like, let's get creative. Things I didn't think took off, would take off, took off things. I thought I was going to do. I didn't do it all. And it was being open to trying something new. And then in the midst of that, um, my mom got diagnosed with a brain tumor. Literally we, my boyfriend and I kind of were staying at their house for a couple of days. And I was like, she just seems off, took her to the ER. And it was such a traumatic, like it's still this doctor. I want to punch her in the face, but I thought my mom maybe had a stroke. She was just acting a little off and kind of like some stroke-like symptoms. So we brought her in and it was just me and her because we couldn't have any guests in the room because of COVID. And the lady comes back and literally, we're, I don't know, you see stuff on TV where they put you in an office and they sit down and you're across from the doctor. Well, we're in a hallway and the doctor comes in just with a loud voice. She goes, you have a brain tumor. And I was like, what? <laughs> and my mom just goes, what? And she goes, you have a brain tumor. And my mom's like, you're kidding. Right. And in my head, I'm like, she's fucking kidding. Right. And then she said again, she goes, no, you have a metastatic brain tumor. As soon as she said metastatic, I was like, oh my gosh, she's serious. And my mom's just like, no, I don't. I feel fine. And I'm like, literally holding back tears going, oh, what the fuck? This is not what I expected when I came in here. So I call my dad and had them come out and I'm just losing it in the parking lot. And, you know, everything within the next 48 hours just changed so rapidly. It turned into I'm not worried about my business, like priorities suddenly shift, right? I'm not worried about sales. I'm not worried about marketing. I'm not working about social media. I had a launch I was preparing for. And I remember sitting there going, I have this launch for the master money course coming up. And I'm like, I can't go on social and talk about this right now. I'm so overwhelmed with emotion and fear and not knowing what's next. And my mom ended up having surgery within less than 36 hours. And I'm like, I got to be there for my family. And so 
everything changed so quickly. But what was really amazing about what we did in 2020 was the money that was going through, like make me yellow. It didn't require me to show up on social media. So I was making money and I could drop everything else and be there focused for my mom and be there for her while my dad still had to work. So I became her full-time caregiver. I was driving her to her appointments and just doing so much. And it was so overwhelming. And anybody who's out there, who's been a caregiver of a grandparent or parent, I just want to say like, you are a saint. It is so difficult. Um, there's so many pieces of that where I was resentful, you know, I was like, I, I felt blessed to be able to do it. And at the same time, I feel angry that I had to, you know, and it's a really weird place to be and have these feelings and emotions. And, um, she was getting better. We moved out and then just took a really sudden turn and she passed away within 10 days. And, um, that was like this new, new world of like starting over without your parent and having to deal with the grief and so many things and just the, the roller coaster of the year, you know, and I know a lot of people went through loss this year, whether it was a parent, a grandparent, you know, a friend, a lot of people have gotten sick. And, and so it's just a lot. And there's so much to, to process that we have to be really gentle with ourselves. <laughs> we have to be gentle with ourselves and, and just know that there's a time where you just, I don't know. I think like we're taught, I want to really talk about like starting over, but you do we do have to start over in a lot of things in a lot of ways. So like for me, that was work in 2020, like got to find something brand new. And then I got to find something. How do you move on without your parent and then help my dad through this? And there's just a lot. And so we just have to give ourselves uh, grace. Hey, y'all, it's Christina. I just wanted to jump in here real quick. On a recent podcast, I mentioned that I have been on over 100 free discovery calls over the last year, and I want to do the exact same thing in 2022. People often wonder, well, what do I get out of these calls? Men and women from around the world who are jumping on these calls are walking away from the calls with more clarity, figuring out the mindset block that's stopping them from feeling really confident to make more money, feel fulfilled, and know what next step they have to take in order to decide it's their turn. So if you've ever thought about jumping on one of these calls, I would absolutely love to talk to you. So feel free to send me a text at 501 501- 222-3362. Text me the word call and we can book one of those calls or head over to the show notes and you've got a link to my website where you can book a free discovery call with me. I actually ended up doing a TED talk called The Secret of Starting Over in May. And I have an acronym GIFT, G-I-F-T, the gift of starting over. And the first G is grief. And my boyfriend this week, he goes, well, now you can really talk about grief because your mom died. But the truth is like, and I, I'm going to say this just because it is the truth. Grieving my marriage was actually a lot harder than grieving my mom. And so grief can come in so many things. You can grieve, like grieve, not being an athlete anymore, grieve, losing a job. It's not just about losing people. We, when we lose identities, like being an athlete, or we lose identities of maybe just moving somewhere or losing a relationship. That's a really, that's real. And so the first part of moving on and starting over is to allow yourself that time to grieve. And I think that's a piece that we miss too often. We try to just go, all right, I got to get over it. And I talk myself up or coach myself out of it. But I think there's a really grief is important when someone dies, but we think about it only when someone dies. And I think it's really important that we allow ourselves to grieve some of these other pieces of ourselves. Mm, I love that. I think it's so true, right? Because we judge ourselves so hard. I shouldn't feel bad about this. Like how many mm-hmm. people, well, Danny, she's got it bad. Like her mom died and she lost this stream of income and, you know, all of the things that are happening. But, you know, if we all don't process those emotions, if we all don't take and grieve what it is that we're doing, we get stuck in that. And then we start shooting on ourselves and it just turns into this spiral. I mean, there's always, there's someone out there who's lost both parents and a child. There's someone out there who's lost, you know, you can't compare yourself. And I think that oftentimes we do that, we get stuck in that. And I think that it's really helpful for exactly what you're talking about. Do you want to, I'd love for you to uh, give us the rest of the acronym. Yeah. So and I want everyone to go watch the TED talk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, the, you know, what's funny too, about the TED talk was the audio didn't record well. So I ended up having to do a voiceover 
now I'm telling you guys this. So now you might notice it. Like maybe you wouldn't have noticed it, but I, I had to, notice it when I'm I had to, I was in Cabo at a retreat and I had to go in my room and like re-record a voiceover. I'd have to watch it and then repeat what I said and then record it and do this whole thing over just to get the dang thing up. I was so upset. I was like, and it was funny because my microphone actually went out in the middle and they swapped mics. And then one of the YouTube comments, the guy was like, this girl has been through enough. And then her microphone has to break. <laughs> Let's give her a break. And I was like, oh, it's fine. It's just, it's ironic is all I'm like, you know, it would only happen to me, of course. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, the first one is grief. And I did a lot of research on starting over and just identity loss. And I never really, I didn't see that anywhere. And it just stood out to me so much because as I looked at different things that I've had to start over, like I was an athlete as well. I was an acrobat. I actually ended up paralyzed when I was 22 years old. And I had just like, my life was about being physical. Like I, my degree was in physical education. I was an acrobat and suddenly I can't walk. And I'm like, well, I just wish I died because what else can I do? I didn't go to school for anything else. And I was like, I don't want to be a handicapped person. And I just had all these stories about my identity and being athletic. And so that was a big piece. And then, you know, growing, uh, giving up my daughter for adoption. I was 16 when I placed her for adoption. I was 15 when I got pregnant and, I realized how much, and this came about years later that I never really grieved losing that baby. And it was so heartbreaking for me, but I was just kind of told like, that was my, that was my consequence. And I just had to suck it up. And so it stayed with me. And so the grief came years later and like, we can't suppress it. Like we can try, we can pretend everything's okay. But for me, it was, I had this huge, huge grieving experience, uh, 20 years later. And so it just, goes to show for me that we still store that in our bodies. So whether or not you've allowed yourself to feel it, it's still there. And it doesn't matter the level of intensity or compared to someone else. If you're feeling it, it's that's you. Like it's, it's not about trauma. Isn't really about what happened. It's how you react to it or how you perceive it. Right. So did you, did your pain manifest in a certain space? Like how did you figure out that you had to process that? So that one was really weird. Um, I did ayahuasca. Oh, <laughs> that's when it came up. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things like health issues and things, but I don't yeah. think I ever, and I, I do believe that if we don't process, it does come out as cancer and disease and illness and autoimmune, you know, and I, I actually, um, Jill and I got the opportunity to go to a retreat in Costa Rica as part of like a, a podcast exchange. And so if you don't know what ayahuasca is just really briefly, it's a plant medicine kind of psychedelic, but I guess it's kind of in that realm. Um, but it's not something you would do for fun, like ever. It's definitely a therapeutic. People have been doing research studies on it the last maybe 30 years on how it helps people with get through PTSD and trauma and process things, whether it's ayahuasca or psilocybin. And there's a whole list of different kind of plant medicines, but I sat in a ceremony one night. And what came up for me was a picture of myself as 16 year old girl in the hospital with my little baby. And I just like, I get emotional even thinking about it when it comes up, but I, as myself now, like my 38 year old self at the time was holding my 16 year old self and just letting her cry. And I just bawled and I released so much. And I cried so hard for that girl, what I went through and the pain that I went through and how much I missed that baby and how much I didn't want to give her up. And I never let myself feel that then. And so I, I don't even know how long I cried for, but it just felt so cathartic to get it all out. And then just to be in the space as an adult and just remother myself and just like tell my 16 year old self, like, it's going to be okay. It's all going to work out. You're doing the right thing. You're so brave. And I think there's so many pieces of us that maybe need to not necessarily do ayahuasca, but maybe breath work or talking to a therapist or doing some like inner child stuff where you go back and you re go back to the place where you were hurt as a young girl or however recent it was, and just look back at yourself with compassion and, and be able to grieve what you lost or what you felt like you lost, because it does stick. I really think things get stored in the body and you would just, it, it will come out somewhere, you know, it does, whether it's behavior problems or the binge eating, like just back to what I talked about at the beginning, I knew I could see people who were having binge eating issues. And as we dug into it, it was 
because of trauma that they hadn't processed because of conversations they didn't have with their mom or their dad or their partners. So things will come out, they will manifest some way. And so I would say, if you don't know if there's something like, if you have something that's manifesting, like a drinking problem or a binging problem or, uh, overspending, there's probably a root to that. And sometimes we think we've done all the work and we don't know what the root is. And for me, I've done so much that I was actually really shocked that when I did ayahuasca, that's what came up for me. So I don't know how I would have accessed that otherwise. Um, it was very, very interesting because I think I've done so much work and I thought like I've dealt with the big stuff, but that was a piece for me. That was like kind of this big insight and a reason I want to share that with the world is I think grief is really big. And maybe looking back in your life and seeing what parts have I not been able to grieve before and grief doesn't mean you have to just cry for 30 minutes, but maybe it means, maybe it means having, a, having a cry session. Maybe it just means talking through it to somebody. Maybe it means journaling, um, or just giving yourself compassion and going, that was really sad. And you had a right to be sad and that's okay. Instead of going work through it, it was fine. You got it. You know, giving yourself permission to be sad about something could be. Oh, that's so good. It's so true. There's so many people and, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, the loss of a parent. It doesn't have to be something super, super traumatic, like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, an adoption or something along those lines. But I do a hundred percent believe there are so many people walking in this world, just shells of themselves because they haven't taken the time to process. And it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't have to be an ayahuasca journey, but like at least remembering that like so oftentimes when we turn to drugs, alcohol, sex, social media, whatever, it's like trying to escape the thing that we actually most need to heal. Right. Yeah. Yep. It's so true. And I think what was interesting is the ayahuasca journey was a couple of years after separating from my ex. And so I felt like I was still going to, I was still processing stuff through my divorce and my broken heart. And it's interesting how things will show up again later. And so for me, being able to grieve that part of my 16 year old self really gave me more permission to grieve my marriage too. And go, this is also something really sad for me. And, and just being okay with that and giving myself compassion. And after that ceremony, it wasn't like instant, but I really felt like this big weight lifted. And I felt that I, that I was like complete with it. You know, there wasn't a lot of underlying stuff still there. And so I don't know, I think it's really important. Um, the I after G is insights. And so insights is really about what are the lessons you're learning from this? So, you know, like through my divorce at the, at the beginning of it, um, he had an affair. And so for me, there was a lot of, what did I do wrong? Am I too ugly? Am I too fat? Like he didn't think I was beautiful anymore. All of these like reasons I'm blaming myself, which didn't have really anything to do with, with the affair. And as I was going through the journey of counseling and figuring things out and moving on is I got to make a, get a lot of lessons out of it. Like what could, can I learn from this? And I think there's, there's insights and lessons you can learn through so much. And even with my mom right now, I'm still getting insights from how things went. One of them is for me personally, just how proud I am of how I handled things. And And also just going, man, like I wish, and this isn't like to brag on myself, but God, if I'm ever in that position, I hope there's someone like me who can take care of me because I know I did such a good job taking care of her. Like she was just so taken care of and God, I can't imagine if I wasn't there. And it's like, I going back to 2020, if it had been the year before where I was traveling and speaking, I wouldn't have been able to be there for my mom. And there's just, there's a lot of insights that I got. And so being able to take a shitty situation and even like me getting robbed recently, there's not a lot of insights I have about like locking the doors or something, but there are some things about my personal safety and how I feel and there's, and what, what do I need and all kinds of things. And I think we can take lessons, even when we're not necessarily victimized to say like, it's your fault. Like that's not the part of insights, but what lessons can you learn around the situation or what have you come from? Like, what can you take from it? So that you moving forward is like a better version of you. So that's insights. Then F is forgiveness and forgiveness. You know, a lot of people have a hard time with forgiveness, especially when it comes to another person. We often feel like if we forgive someone, it means like what they did was okay. And you can forgive someone and not condone their behavior or think it was all right. You know, forgiveness is not really about the other person. It's not like I'm releasing you and you're fine. It's about just letting it go from yourself. Forgiveness is really, really for you. And 
that one, I think, um, also has to be done repeatedly. One of my mentors used to say forgiveness is a habit. And I didn't really understand this for a long time, but speaking of my mom, I would go to these workshops and this woman, she'd say, write down the person you need to forgive. And I was like, I'm not writing down my mom, not forgiving her. Like we had so many issues and I was like, I'm not writing her down. I'm not writing her down. (laughs) And then it got to a place where I was slowly starting to forgive her, but then she'd come back and do something where I'd be pissed again. I was like, I just forgave her. And now she's doing this shit again. And so I realized forgiveness isn't a one-time thing. Like you can forgive someone and still get pissed about what they did to you. And you could still have stuff come up and then you have to do it again and again. And this happened with my ex. I like felt like I really released him and the girl he had the affair with. And then like, he reached out and I got all worked up again. And I'm like, okay, let it go. You know? And so forgiveness isn't saying what he did was okay. Isn't saying whatever happened to you was okay. It's really for you to move forward and move on. But a big person that we need to forgive that we forget about is forgiving ourselves. Like we beat ourselves up for the things we should have done or could have done or should have said, and just going, you were who you were at the time you made the decisions to the best of your ability for whatever reason, for whatever was happening. And I forgive you. And, you know, receiving forgiveness from yourself is probably one of the biggest and one of the hardest things to do, but that is going to really help you move forward and move on instead of keeping one foot in the past. And then the last T is trust. You know, so trusting yourself that you will be able to figure out the next step, trusting that something is going to open up, you know, the, when 2020 happened and everything shut down, I had to just trust that I could figure it out. You know, I didn't necessarily trust that I was going to make the money that we were going to do, but I could trust that I wasn't going to end up homeless because I could use my skills and my abilities and things to figure out. So trusting in yourself, trusting in the universe or God or whoever you think provides trusting that you have connections, that you have everything you need. That's the next big piece so that you can move forward. Mm, I love that. I I talk about self-trust all the time. Like confidence and self-trust is so important. Like Mm -hmm. you have enough trust in yourself to know that like, no matter what, you'll figure it out. And I think so many people are lacking that, that self-trust, but you've kind of shown up all the time. You've built that confidence muscle in yourself. You've built that trust muscle in yourself that it may not be easy. It definitely is going to be a rocky road along the way, but you have enough trust that like, I have these skills, I'll be able to figure it out. And that is a beautiful gift that not everyone has. And thank you for sharing all that. And you know, obviously I saw 0.01% of what you were actually doing with your mom, but I was trying to pay attention as much as I could. And I just saw what a beautiful job that you did and how you stepped in. And, you know, there's certain people that you just see how handle things really well. And you, you just seem to handle it with so much grace and so much integrity. So I just give you huge props for that. Yeah. (laughs) I, you know, one of the things with her, was staying off social media. And, um, you know, there was times I wanted to just like show or we're going to doctor's appointments and make it fun for her, but she was really, they had to put her on a lot of steroids and she really gained a lot of weight and she was super self-conscious. And so I just stayed, you know, really private during a lot of it, but I was, you know, I was just really proud of how I was able to handle and with brain stuff, whether, and I dealt with my grandmother, I was a caretaker for her for a while. She had dementia brain tumor, dementia, there's very similar things. And it's very, very hard. If anyone's been, you you know what I'm talking about, but it's personality changes, mood changes. It's almost like dealing with a toddler on drugs (laughs) or a teenager. So they can be really bratty. And I have a video of myself that I have never shared on social, but there was one night, it was a couple months after my mom's surgery and between the brain swelling and that going on. And then the drugs she was on the steroids that make her really moody. She was just lashing out at me. And I was breaking down. I'm like, she has no idea I've given up everything. And she's, she's being so demanding. She's like, I need you to do this. And I need you to do this. And I was just like, God, I can't handle. And I was like, this is probably what a parent feels like when a teenager is being a punk. And you're like, I give you everything. I buy you your clothes you want. And I I just felt like that I'm going, oh my God, she doesn't appreciate it at all. And I felt so unappreciated and so just frustrated and (laughs) those things are valid. And just, it's one of those pieces where like we sacrifice for people and they may never know why or how the sacrifice is. If you have children, you know, like you might have a three-year-old who's just throwing a fit and you're like, do you know what I give to you? <laughs> like, do you have any idea? And I felt like that with my mom for a time. And I know deep down she did. And those are, and I was like, can't blame her. This is not her. This is her brain. This is her drugs. But 
as women, we do give so much to other people. And sometimes we are not appreciated and we maybe we'll never get that from your three-year-old or your teenager or your aging parent or something. So again, back to like these, these kind of things, it's like, we got to give this to ourselves and just give ourselves grace. And like, I had to grieve before my mom died. I had to grieve a lot because I had to grieve what I was giving up. And also I didn't know at the beginning if she was going to make it or not. So I did a lot of my grieving for her early on. And then we felt like she was going to make it. And we actually got, (laughs) this is what sucked is two months before she died her doctor said, everything looks great. The tumor that she had was shrinking all the cancers out of her body. We're not going to, we were going every single month. They stopped the treatments and they said, we're not going to see you till September. So this was in June. They said, cool, we're going to see you in September. We'll give you another couple months. She died in August. Like it was so wild. And so it was this such a roller coaster because I felt like I grieved. I'm like, she's going to die. And then I'm like, no, she's not. She's great. And then suddenly it just like, whoa. And we just have these times in our lives um, they don't have to be like that, but I'm, I'm sure that there's times in our lives where something just gets almost like you get smacked. You're like, I didn't expect the, the rug gets pulled out from under you. And those are some moments where it's almost like the shock takes a little bit to, to wear off. And I feel like that was kind of it for me. There was a lot of shock and that whole month of August. I, I hardly remember, like, there's a lot of stuff that I don't remember the week, I have to ask my boyfriend constantly, like who was at the funeral? Who did I talk to? There was a lot of messages I got. I don't remember. And we have to really be gentle with ourselves in, in these stages of our lives and like, know that life is going on, you know, all the things that maybe you think you should be doing can come back. Maybe there's a reason to be pulled back, but the whole, the biggest thing is like that forgiveness is so, so big and trusting yourself that things will come back around. Maybe not how you thought they would be. A lot of times they're not. And the whole piece of my Ted talk was really about looking at, we often feel like starting over is a punishment. We're like going back to square one. I have to start over. And if you've ever played a game with a kid and like, let's say they get, they roll the dice and they're going to land on a bad square. They're like, no, no, no. Let me do over. Let me get a do over. Like they want to roll the dice again. And so starting over feels like a punishment, but a do over it's like, oh, I have another chance. So the big shift I want people to make is instead of feeling like starting over as a punishment, think of like you get a do-over. And when you get a do-over, you can make it however you want. You can have a new outcome. You can do something completely different. So I was actually joking around, well, not joking, but I was kind of crying to my boyfriend about like, I'm not, I was like, I'm not an expert in fitness anymore. And I don't know if I want to be a money expert. I go, the only thing I'm an expert in is starting over. I'm like, do-over Danny. And I said that. And I was literally crying and being, having a pity party, but then I said it and I made my own self laugh. And I was like, that's actually pretty funny. And I was like, wait, that's That's actually awesome. Yeah. I'm like, this is actually really good because everyone has to start over at something. Like my story isn't unique. We're all going to lose someone. We're all going to lose a job, an identity of some sort. It doesn't have to be divorce. It could be something else, but you're going to lose your identity somewhere. But if you look at it as a do-over, like then you, it's something you could get excited about instead of feeling like a punishment. Oh, that is so good. Um, there's just so much more we could talk about, but maybe we'll just do this again. Once your social media handle turns to do over Danny. I know I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually thinking about starting over. So here's, um, this will be my first, I'm saying it out loud. So maybe I'm going to have to do it. So I've been thinking about starting from scratch as an experiment of like, cause people are always saying, well, you already have this many followers. Da, da, da. Oh no. So I'm like, what if a I ton of people doing that right now, starting from scratch on their Instagrams and yeah. their engagements going up huge because half of your followers seem with me, like so many, yeah. people, like, what 20,000 followers. Well, I, I guarantee you 10,000 of them are golf people. So you're right. probably fitness people. You could do do over Danny, get 50 people and they would be locked in on that. Totally. So I'm thinking about doing it. The only thing I hate is when you put do over Danny on Instagram, it looks like Duver Danny, but whatever. <laughs> How to do over Danny. I don't know. Yeah. Duver, Duver Danny. Duver but Danny. I have been g- going over this for actually the last six, eight months. And since I disabled my account, I was like, you know what? Now that I've disabled this, maybe I just do this. So, so yeah, if you want to follow me, look up dannyj.com. If I'm not there, look up do over Danny. <laughs> Okay. Before uh, we give them one more time of where they can follow you, you know, I always ask everyone the final question and that is, um, you know, uh, was there ever a decision that you were afraid to make in life, but once you did it, you felt like it was one of the greatest decisions. And if it wasn't, what was the lesson that you learned? 
Okay. Every hard decision that I've ever made ended up being the, the greatest decision or the best decision for me. And I think that, um, when it comes to deciding it's way worse to be in limbo, it's so much harder to not make, to not make a decision. So I told you about placing my daughter for my adoption. That was hands down the hardest, hands down the hardest. I don't know what things would have looked like in another scenario. You know, there's so many ways it could have gone, but we have a really beautiful relationship. Now I met her when she was almost 19 years old and she is now the editor of the best life podcast. And yes, she's been editing it since day one. So we're like four years in and she's, and she just quit her job to do full-time, um, like podcast editing and copywriting. She's really, really brilliant. And it's been a really magical, like come like full circle to have her come back into my life. And what's been really cool about that too, is because she listens to all our episodes and some of them are ridiculous, but you know, on my birthday, she sent me a text and she just said how she feels so grateful that she has someone to like, look up to and just listen to, she said, just to be able to listen to my wisdom and and my stories. And so it's like, I'm speaking every week on the podcast, but I also get to speak directly to her and that's super just beautiful. And so God, like that decision, hardest freaking thing in my life. And it took 20 years to like have that turnaround. And so sometimes the turnaround does take a while, you know? And, um, but I, I do believe it comes down to self-trust too, you know, like the second hardest decision was to leave my marriage. And, you know, I sat there going, we could work this out. We could make it work. And I, I clung on to the romanticism of like, we could have our story and talk about how you had an affair and how our marriage is amazing now, but that wasn't, that wasn't how our story was supposed to go. And, um, but sitting, waiting, like, should I get, should I stay together? Should I leave? That was prison. That was hell, not making a decision. And ultimately what got me to do it finally was my parents actually divorced when I was eight years old and they remarried each other when I was 11. So they were divorced for three years and got remarried. And so I was like, you know what, (laughs) if I get divorced, we could still get married again if we need to. (laughs) But it was just like, just making the decision freed me. And so your question really is like, was there a decision? Like, yes, every hard decision was the best decision. And if it wasn't, it eventually was, you know, so giving up my daughter in the moment, did it feel like the right decision? No, but nothing did like keeping her didn't feel like the right decision either for where I was with my family and my age and everything. It took a long time for that turnaround to happen. And I'm not saying that every decision will have a turnaround, but everyone will have lessons and have insights and will give you something out of it. And so I truly believe though, those hardest ones are always the ones that you look back on and go, that was like my pivot. That was the time in my life and sitting in the middle, not making one, not making a decision is still making a decision. But, um, I truly believe those big ones are always the ones that you're going to look back and go, yep, that was what I needed to do. Oh, this is probably one of my, and I shouldn't say this because, um, other people will be upset, but this is probably one of my favorite (laughs) conversations ever. I love it. I am so grateful. I'm so, I, like, I literally, I told you years ago, I respect the hell out of you and Jill, both you guys have literally both just been like rock stars on who you are, your integrity. I've seen the highs and the lows. Obviously we're not, you know, BFFs by any means, but you guys are the people that I have looked up to like, damn, if I can do it half as good as they can, um, I'm, I'm in good shape. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, I adore you so much. And that means so much. I think you're doing crazy, incredible things. So that's really means a lot to me and I'm excited. Uh, Yay. So, uh, dannyj.com on Instagram or do over Danny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, best places on Instagram, all my links are there. You can go to findthemoneyproject.com and get that, um, find your money, find your money. Um, and yeah. Instagram mostly. I'm thinking about doing a YouTube. Oh, the Best Life podcast too. Definitely go there, check it out. And the Danny J show should be out in 2022. I did start working on it in August and then my mom died. And so kind of got put on the back burner, but that's my new 2022 project. So awesome. And tell us one last time too. What is this Homer Simpson thing or this Simpson thing? Cause like, oh. what is the website for that? Because I know people are going to be like, so she talked about this. What is it? <laughs> Make me yellow.co. 
literally it's it's so it's great gifts so like if you can't find gifts for people which it's very hard to and if you have a simpson fan in your life you literally send in pictures of you or your family or whoever and we have our artists do a digital drawing like simpsonize them basically turn them yellow and then we send them the digital picture back and you could have it printed or put on shirts or whatever oh you want God. Best people love ever. it <laughs> I'm going to do that right now. Make, Make me yellow.co. There's a couple of them. So don't do .com. .co is ours. .co. Awesome. <laughs> All right. I love you. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Love it. Bye guys. Thank you all so much for joining me on today's episode of the Decide It's Your Turn podcast. If today's episode resonated with you at all, please share it with a friend. Also head on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment. What is it that you want us to talk about that'll help you realize that at any moment and any day, you too can decide it's your turn. I'm Christina LeCure. I'll see you next time.